This is Michael Campbell. You're listening to Money Talks. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Now, I'm going to start today with a number. $78 trillion, followed by, that's 78, by the way, followed by 12 zeros. That number is so big, it's tough to comprehend. $78 trillion. But if I had to pick just one, one number that's going to drive massive changes in government, impact every taxpayer in the 20 richest company, uh, countries rather that make up the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, including Canada, that would be it. Not the $44 billion in cumulative debt of the OECD members. That's a big number, too. No, I'm talking about $78 trillion is the estimate. It's a new Citibank report on the total value of the 20 OECD members' unfunded or underfunded government pension liabilities. I'm talking about countries like the UK, France, Germany, US, uh, Japan, Australia, and Canada, $78 trillion. By the way, in Canada, when you just look at the federal public sector pensions alone, that number is about $250 billion. One of our mantras on Money Talks has been that governments have borrowed more money and made more promises, i.e. pensions and health care, than they're ever going to keep. And we're right. It's already happening, but sadly it's ignored. Make no mistake about it. We're witnessing the historical demise of the welfare state. Why? Because it's financially unsustainable. I say make no mistake, but people really do. They regularly do. Some people think these kinds of facts are something like politics. They're political. They're not. They're math. I don't know how much more straightforward it could be. We know how many people are retiring. We know how much we've promised to pay them. Hence, we know how much it's going to cost. We also know how much we've set aside combined with how much we're going to collect along the way. And we know now that there is a massive shortfall. This isn't something new, but it's been consistently ignored. So many Canadians are so politicized in their thinking that they simply can't grasp that it doesn't matter which party's in power. We're going to still have more than twice as many people over the age of 65 in Canada in the year 2030, less than 15 years away, than we did in 2010. Forget who the NDP or Tories picked to lead them, or if Justin Trudeau's oldest son, Xavier, is going to be Prime Minister in 2030. Old age security is still going to need $60 billion more tax dollars in that year alone than it did this year. Those are the kind of numbers that we know. This past July, for the first time, we had more Canadians over the age of 65 than under 15. But somehow the implications on government finances are ignored. I've said for over 10 years that when it comes to demands for things like free university tuition, heavily subsidized daycare, every other freebie flavor of the month, that we can't afford the promises we've already made, let alone take on new ones. And there are solutions. I'll give you the easiest one foster significant economic growth, which in turn would produce higher government revenues. And as an added bonus, it would propel better performance in the pension fund investments. But let's be honest, we have powerful groups opposing opposing growth in this country, insisting on higher corporate taxes, more costly regulation, which in turn hurts the performance of not just the economy, but the companies that the pensions are invested in. What's interesting, by the way, just as an aside, I think I've yet to meet anyone who works in the public sector who knows what their pensions are invested in. So, come on, it's pretty tough to have a meaningful discussion about protecting their pensions. Or So you got that. You got the economic growth. That would be the easy way out, although we're getting well past the point that you could have sufficient growth. I mean, we're struggling at 2 and 2.5% and calling that a good year. Okay, so here are the other uh, choices. 
we can raise the age of eligibility to collect. In other words, you collect when you're 68, 69, whatever it is. And we're seeing some countries do that. Three, we can lower the payouts to retirees. Yeah, we promised so much, but instead we're going to cut back. Already seeing this. This is what kills me. I'm not talking about some theory here. Look around. We're seeing it in Detroit, Stockton, California. You know, in Chicago, they are now got junk bond status. Why? Because of their pension obligations. The other thing we can do is we can raise taxes to pay for the public sector pensions. But that's a catch-22. You raise those taxes, you're going to get lower economic growth. And you're going to reduce the amount of money people have to save for their own retirement. And keep in mind, in Canada, for example, 62% of Canadians do not belong to either a public or a private workplace pension. I'll give you an example, though, out of Chicago. They're talking about needing to increase taxes by over a third, over 33%, just so they can meet their public sector pension obligations that are now over $20 billion just for that city. Now, other than significantly higher levels of economic growth, none of these options are attractive, which is why not a single politician, public sector union leader, or the political commentariat, for that matter, ever talk about this problem. It was, they weren't even breathing about it during the federal election. That, that's the old uh, line by Jack Nicholson, because you can't handle the truth. So we can go ahead and ignore the problem. And you can send me the hate mail. You can call math part of some vast right-wing agenda. You can follow your political union leaders well over a cliff. I want you to take a selfie with the prime minister. But the entitlement problem is happening. It's started already. And with it, the potential for massive social and political unrest. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment. That means you as the investor get paid first, and uh, there are no fees attached to it. It's in the tech sector. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. I'm taking a break. I'll come back. Hey, we got so much for you. Ryan Irvine's coming to the top of the hour here. He's going to be talking about a couple of new stock picks that he's got. Plus, I've got my first audio quote of the week. So stay with us. Michael Levy, top three stories smart people are talking about on deck. I think you're going to like my audio quote of the week. First time I've ever done the audio version. You know who's going to help me out? Dennis Miller is going to help me with my audio version. Plus, wait to hear my shocking stat. I I love this one. It had, as I say, I read it to three different people, and they all went, what? Well, I'll share that with you coming up in a little bit of time. Also, big fat idea coming up, Steve Duchesne. But right now, Michael Levy on deck right now. Top three stories that smart people are talking about. Michael, what about number three? I just wish Ottawa would cut the BS, Mike, and get to giving Bombardier the billion dollars U.S. (laughs) they're going to give them instead of going through a charade. Now what they're doing is bringing in Morgan Stanley to help them with the decision and uh, so, so that they can tie a U.S. name to the fact that the feds are going to give Bombardier that billion dollars. And I say give bombardier that about one billion dollars might yeah you're right this has been a, a real charade we knew from the outset you know the quebec government gave bombardier a, a few months ago you know over a billion dollars we know ottawa is going to be doing it but here'd be my question a eh, mike for uh, uh who is it jp morgan you said is coming in on this one uh uh morgan stanley morgan that's stanley, what it was yeah yeah, yeah sorry stanley. okay oh well, let's put let them put their own money into it this is oh, the deal absolutely. no investor wants to touch this 
this stock, look at the stock price, but nobody investor wants to touch this deal. So why should why should taxpayers? Uh, Mike, there's no reason, but listen to the Trudeau quote on this. They're bringing in uh, uh, an outside investment firm. They're going <laughs> to do their due diligence. They're going to recommend to government. But here's what Trudeau had to say. You look at everything people have written about it. It's going to be an extraordinary airplane. So our question is very much, well, how do we make sure that airplane is a success and how are we making sure it's a Canadian success story? Is there any doubt that they're going to approve this? No, I mean, this is a beauty. By the way, you know this, Mike, but uh, just to share with people, London City Council uh, is blasting Bombardier. They call it they've been duped because they awarded Bombardier the train signaling contract, and they're obviously more than unhappy with that. At the same time, Toronto Transit Commission still fighting with Bombardier because it had a $1.2 billion contract for 204 new streetcars. Only 16's been delivered. You know, by this time, they should have had 67. I mean, this thing's a mess, and, and as I say, no investor would touch it, but don't worry, you as a taxpayer are about to. Uh, Mike, Absolutely. what's number two? recalculating now listen to this mike you know when you're driving in your car and your gps gets balled up somehow you've made a wrong turn and you get this this voice coming out recalculating yeah. and yes, that's exactly exactly mike it, it, you know what bewildered confused and infuriated well that's about how many market analysts and forecasters must be feeling at about this moment recalculating same as your gps and just, let me give you the first example hands up all those people who called for a 5% drop in the Canadian dollar in the first three weeks at 216, I've got to tell you, I was one of them. And then for it to ricochet higher by 13% in the next eight weeks to be one of the strongest currencies on earth. Recalculating. Yeah, no, good point. Uh, although I, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, but on our paid blog on Money Talks, I did write that we ex- I expected to see a bounce into 78. The big question now, Mike, is where to now? Was that a change in trend or was it just a really long overdue correction given we had hammered down to 68 and now we've, what, been up nine weeks in a row? We have, Mike, but, I mean, there's more examples just very quickly. The 180-degree turn in the TSX after coming off lows in January, it's moved up 15%. Gold languished for four years. It's up $200 uh, the first part of this year. Central banks falling all over themselves to be more dovish than the next. That's with the staggering exception of the Bank of Canada. And finally, Mike, the U.S. dollar, perhaps the move that upset the apple cart the most, has been the surprising sag in the U.S. dollar. Again, I know Money Talks was there looking for that correction. Victor talked about it, but generally analysts have to be recalculating. Absolutely. And big move to keep in mind is that U.S. dollar. Hey, what's your number one story? Well, number one story, I give it all to Kathy Tomlinson, the Globe and Mail. She's come out with a couple of absolutely fantastic investigative journalism on the shadow flipping in the Vancouver housing market and also uh, the proceeds of crime and laundering, possible laundering of money. Dozens of Vancouver real estate firms are failing to comply with the federal anti-money laundering laws that require them to identify who their clients are and where their money comes from. Mike, if you're a bank, if you're a casino, if you're a car dealer, you have to comply. It's part of the act. It is for real estate firms, and so many of them apparently are not complying and taking big cash deposits from those that are flipping houses in the Vancouver market. 
Yeah, and I might add, this is really infuriating infuriating a ton of good realtors because they're all getting painted with this brush when it's probably a very small number, you know, who are doing exactly what you say. They're not even asking where the cash is, where they're from, you know, clearly not doing their job. Uh, yeah, and I, and it's obviously finally hit the hit the front page thanks to Kathy Tomlinson. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. And the the rules are you've got to take identification. Some realtors aren't even taking identification. Yeah, but Mike. Very quickly, this is how it works. Realtor takes cash as a deposit, doesn't take the proper information, puts the money in the bank as the deposit coming from the realtor. That 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 deposit is reported to FinTracker, the financial tracking agency in Ottawa. And what's happening is that these people who are flipping it are then ostensibly getting a check back from the real estate company when they sell their share. Then they can take that check, put it in their own bank account as legal funds coming from a reputable source, and now you've got their money laundered and being able to use for whatever they want. Massive problem. We've been hearing about it for a while. And finally, we'll see if something gets done. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Steve Duchesne, Portfolio Manager, GPS with Disnat. He's got a stock for you in Mike's Big Fat Idea. Stay with us. Time now for Mike's Big Fat Idea. Steve Duchesne, he's GPS Portfolio Manager, Desjardins Online Brokerage. Uh, Steve, first of all, appreciate you taking time uh, on the weekend. Let me have it. What's the Big Fat Idea? The Big Fat for today would be Alibaba. It's a stock. The, uh, Yep. Yeah, sorry. Alibaba is sort of like the Amazon of China, isn't it? Kind of. At least, actually, it's like Amazon, eBay, Groupon all together with some different business coming in there. Uh, I would say it's even better than what we have here because we don't compete like big chain like Walmart or Canadian Tire here that have a brick and mortar business all over the place. So you're in e-commerce like those corporations, but with less competition. Uh, and at around 20 times earnings, uh, I sell the stock while it's Expensive for mature stocks still show a lot of growth and potential for a long time. So I'm ready to pay a little extra on that one. That, that's really interesting, by the way, that point you're making. Uh, I'm glad you've made that distinction uh, for me that, yes, it's Amazon, but it's all these others uh, rolled into one. Plus, it doesn't have the brick-and-mortar competition like major players like Walmart. Uh, you know, and I mean, obviously, no one needs information about the size of that Chinese market, the growing middle class, no. et cetera, et cetera. But that's a really interesting point. Now, do you own this in uh, the the Disnat GPS portfolio? Yes, we we, and, we have that stock, uh, and I feel like saying if I didn't, I would buy it right here, right now. Well, I would have liked, yeah. would have liked to buy it a couple of bucks uh, lower before, but I already own that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, again. Who's that appropriate for? I mean, and that also mixes with how long they're going to hold it, all of that kind of stuff. But would you characterize this as an aggressive growth stock, uh, sort of a solid growth stock, conservative uh, speculation? How do you characterize Alibaba? Okay, if I compare with what we own in this not GPS, usually we're very conservative. So that's our, our speculative idea in the portfolio, I would say. But at the same time, I really feel it's, it's a growth at reasonable price. Like I said, at 20 times next year earnings, I'm paying a little bit more than usual, but I have such a great corporation, a big market, still a lot of growth in front of me that it's really growth at reasonable price. And it's not something that you find, you find quite often in the large cap where I work. Uh, it's hard to have like those two kind of things at the same time. So I'm quite happy to have that one that will show a lot of growth. But even if I'm wrong, I'm not paying too high a price to, to be patient with a great corporation. 
Now, you just mentioned the word patient, which is, I think, always key to know our time frame. So this is obviously a long-term play on the growth of the Chinese middle class, that retail sector there. These guys are obviously well-poised. So, I mean, I would think somebody better be prepared to hold this. You're not looking to sell it next year unless the stock market tells you to. But, you know, you're looking generally, what, five, six, ten years, something like that? Uh, which on that one, uh, unless anything changed, like you said, the growth, the population that have a lot more purchasing power than they used to have and will continue in that direction in China, uh, I think I might be there for 10 to 20 years. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, I watch my own, the, the stock we own every day. It's, uh, yes, it's my job on a daily basis. But unless anything in the story changed tomorrow, uh, I don't see that they will sell that stock unless it really overshoot on the market and I have to take the profit at that point. Yeah. Which is never a bad problem, by the way. <laughs> no. And if things change, people connected to this not GPS will know that I'm gone and we'll probably talk at that point about it also if you want to. Yeah. So. Interesting stock but, symbol is B- BABA, B-A-B-A on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. Nice to chat with you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting Steve me. Shane is GPS Portfolio Manager, Desjardins Online Brokerage. As I say, he manages uh, their stock portfolio. It's a very interesting product, by the way, GPS, in that you can follow what Steve's thinking is and what he does on a daily basis, literally. And so there's Alibaba, B-A-B-A. I'm taking a break. I'll come back, though, why I've got Ryan Irvine on deck here, Keystocks Financial. This is a big day for stocks. If you like stocks, we're talking about them here. But we're also going to be talking with Thazi Jurek, uh, big story out, uh, well, really it's across Canada, but in Vancouver, that high real estate market, but really talking about the foreign buying aspect of it. I'll get with Ozzy Jurek with that. Victor Adair, I mean, we talked about, Michael just alluded to some of the wild moves on the market. Nine weeks up in a row for the Canadian dollar. Is that all she wrote? Well, I made a move this week that maybe suggests there is. I'll get from Victor with Victor about oil, etc. I got a great goofy award for you and a shocking stat. So all of that's your way. In the meantime, you can go to moneytalks.net, get the update on all of this. I hope you're doing that on a daily basis, and you can listen to the weekly business comments. So stay with us. I got my first audio quote of the week coming up right here across the Money Talks Network. <laughs> 